me for preaching the last three Sundays. I, in the 11 years I've been pastor, teaching pastor here, uh, it's the first time I've taken three weeks off in a row, and so I did the Christmas Eve service, but it was nice to have uh, that break, and they did a great job, and heard a lot of great feedbacks from a lot of people about that, so I appreciate them doing that. And also, I want to remind you, as the video showed earlier, K-Groups, Awana, begin back on Wednesday. Refuge is already going, and then Sunday K-Groups will be a week from today. If you're not part of a group, you need to be in a group, for real. Uh, there, you need a place where you can talk about your spiritual life, how God's working in you, transforming you. Church is not about coming and sitting in a seat. Church is connectivity among the members, using our spiritual gifts to serve one another. And that's not just because, you know, I work the coffee bar or I do this or that greet and I'm serving. Like, like, so serving is about investing also in the lives of others and using your gifts in order to help them on their journey. And so I hope that you'll be part of a group and join a group this semester. If you need help getting connected, see me afterwards or one of our staff. We'd be glad to help you. Speaking of serving, um, this morning I was running a little behind on my setup I do in here, usually out of here before the setup team, and I snapped a picture of uh, some guys that here helping the killer bees, Braden, uh, Briar, and Brooks. Uh, picture of them up here. I appreciate them coming up and and, and, you know, I, I highlight them because to get, you know, teenagers out of the bed is not easy, right? And so the fact that they're up here at 6.30 in the morning. And so if you're interested in being part of the setup team or serving anywhere in this church, remember the killer bees, all right? All right, you need to be one of the killer bees and be here serving like Brooks, Braden, and um, Briar were this morning. So let's pray. And we're going to look at a two-week series on vision. And then we're going to be back in 2 Corinthians here in three weeks. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for... Uh, this church, this body that you've assembled together for the purpose of glorifying your name in this world. And God, we know we live in a world that is uh, more and more hostile toward you and to your kingdom and to your work. And God, I pray you'll give us the boldness and the courage that we need to stand for you. And we know that that courage comes from the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And God, I pray that you will allow us today to embrace the work of God, you God, in us and the work of the Holy Spirit within us, God. And I thank you for, again, for this opportunity we have to open your word. And I pray that uh, from what we glean today, we'll uh, just, just be uh, powerful in our lives to transform us more in the image of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you're reading the Bible. And next week, I'm going to give the statistics that I took on the membership thing where you mark if you're reading the Bible. The scripture is a way to hear the voice of God. We talk a lot about that. that if you want to grow in your relationship with Christ, it's important that you're in the word. And my, one of my reading groups that I'm in, we're right now in the book of Job. And the book of Job is a very interesting book, if you've ever read through it, that God gives Satan, the accuser, a, a limited permission to test blameless uh, Job. Job's a righteous man, and God gives permission for him to be tested. And in fact, so much is taken away from Job, and Job is left with sores, and with physically, he's just wrecked. And he has four, I say, friends who are there that are coming to talk to him. And his friends, like a lot of people on this earth, they think that if bad things happen to you, it means that God is angry with you. And so they're convinced that Job must have done something against God to be in the predicament that he's in. And obviously Job, like all of us, he wasn't perfect, but... He did say, I'm, I'm righteous, I'm blameless in God's eyes. Believe me, my friends, that, that I have done nothing to bring this upon myself. 
But by the time you get to the middle chapters of the book of Job, Job's predicament is so difficult. Life is so, so hard for him that he actually begins to feel frustration with his situation, as we all would do in his situation. And he begins to even question, and he, he wants to find God to give a, a hearing to state his case, and he can't find God. God seems to be distant, to be removed. But even in this struggle, even in his, his wondering, okay, God, what is going on here? And his faith is shaken a bit. He still knows that even though he can't find God, he knows that God can find him. In fact, he writes this in Job 23.10. He says, but God knows where I'm going. God knows. God knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. So no doubt, life can be puzzling. Life can be confusing. And sometimes it feels like, God, where are you? I can't find you, God. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, as new covenant believers, trust me, God knows where you are. Christ is in you, and God never leaves you or forsakes you, Scripture tells us. And we base it upon the promises of Christ. So unexpected things happen in life. They do. The longer that you live, if you're younger in this room, Trust me, the longer you live, more bad things happen, and you see more things. I was talking to my brother, who's a police officer out in Washington State, and he's like, I just left the scene where three people overdosed, two two died, and the other one's probably going to die. All right? Sometimes it's self-inflicted. Sometimes it's just you're a victim of a situation. Sometimes it's just the sin and the decay of this world, and you are the recipient of these bad things that happen in life just has a toll on us and our bodies. And, and, and sometimes we can say, God, I've been living for you. I've been doing what you've asked me to do. I've really committed my life to serve you. So why is this happening? God, are, are you keeping your promises to me? And sometimes we can begin to think carnal like that. We can be think in the flesh and be thinking that God, all, we, like he's entitled to do something for us or provide or meet our felt needs or what we deem as our perceived needs. But that's not what God offers us in Christ. Hear that very clearly. Hear that very clearly. That that is not the plan that God offers. God does not offer a quick fix for all of life's problems. You know what God offers us? The person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He gives us Jesus Christ, and that is the plan. That's God's plan. Christ in us. Listen, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us. And he also, and this will be next week, but he gives us each other, the church. We're the body of Christ. Jesus is not going to walk through the door this morning, but the body of Christ is right here among us. And that's why you need to be in community. And so in this vision series, our mission statement, our vision statement is at Grace Church is helping each other know Jesus, follow Jesus, and then to street level in our home in the city, in the city, whatever city you live in, and this world that we live in. We want to know and follow Jesus. We want to be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what God is working within us. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. That's going to kind of be my launching off spot. It's going to be topical today. We're going to look at some different scriptures. But listen to what Paul says to the Galatian church. He says, My little children... For whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth. Why? Until Christ 
is formed in you. He says, my utmost desire was for the believers to be more and more like Jesus. So Paul, as he went out and he started churches, and as he evangelized people and people came to Jesus Christ, he didn't say, I'm done with you, I'm moving on. He put elders and leaders in place in each of these churches for the purpose of seeing people conform more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And he felt like he was going into, through labor pains as he worked to see Christ more and more birthed out of our lives. So if you're in Christ, if you're a believer in Christ and Christ lives in you, the goal isn't just to get to heaven. The goal is that Christ be formed more and more in your life. We glorify God and we find the greatest joy in this life as we allow Jesus more and more to define us and who we are. And so Jesus tells us who we truly are. That's God's plan, Jesus. And we have to believe that regardless of what we feel or what we are experiencing in the moment. Like Job, he, he started scratching his head. God, I, I, I'm righteous. I followed you. A lot of bad things are happening in my life, God, but I, I know that I'm your child. I am, God, you have called me. You, your hand is upon me. And so even though I feel like maybe, God, you're, you're not hearing me out here, I know you have not abandoned me. And we need to be reminded once again that we are in Christ. And as we're in Christ, we need to also remember that we are strangers and aliens, Scripture says, in this world. And so as we track through this world, as we go through this world, as we live our lives and go to our jobs and do business with this world, we realize that our citizenship at salvation changed from being a citizen of earth to a citizen of God's kingdom of heaven, Philippians 3.20. And as we grow in this realization, we understand more and more that this life, and listen, and the stuff of this life will not satisfy us. It won't satisfy us. I said this a few weeks ago, that as a believer with Christ in us, the Holy Spirit's working in us. Christ is being birthed in our life. He's, he's coming out of our life more and more, the fruit of the Spirit more evident in our lives. As that happens, the world and the things of the world just don't seem to give the pleasure they once did. And when we find ourselves in the flesh and, and walking in the, in the, just in, with a mindset of, I need the world stuff, we find ourselves very miserable in that situation because that's not who we are anymore. And so we need to live every day with the conviction that Jesus is doing something great in our lives. You, I think a lot of us realize what Jesus has saved us from. I mean, if you're here this morning, chances are you realize, okay, Jesus saved me from eternal destruction, hell. He saved me from judgment. But do you know that God saved you for something? God saved you for something. And yes, it's the first sermon of 2024, and kind of you walk in there expecting, as Johnny said, you know, uh, a lot of talk about the new year. And just like him, this is not about New Year's resolutions. I was doing some reading over the last few weeks, and I came across something that dates back centuries. And it was called, the, these, the people of the early church would do something they would call the rule of life. The rule of life. And I changed the terminology. I want to call it the rhythms of life. Probably makes more sense to us. And these are spiritual, relational, and vocational rhythms throughout our lives that where we're more intentional about Christ being the center of all of these areas. And I don't want us to think about this as like these things that we do as like, 
I'm doing these things and I'm tracking myself up to this journey toward God and I'm going to get more of God. I don't want you to think about that as this. I want you to think about it this way. The rhythms of life, it's a journey of understanding who you are in Christ, embracing his life for all of your life. Let me say that again. It'll be on the screen. It's understanding that it's a journey of understanding who you are in Christ. So it's, it's a greater understanding of what Christ did for you through his death and through his resurrection and embracing his life, which is already in you, that's birthing out of you, that you're embracing that in all areas of your life. All areas of your life. I asked uh, Colton to help me with an illustration this morning. Colton, if you can come here and, and uh, bring that little bag I brought, I gave to you this morning. Didn't realize Mitch was doing a puzzle illustration in the video about K-Groups, but I got a puzzle here today too. And so Colton, these are just different puzzle pieces. And we're just going to name off a few of these right now just because uh, we're going to set the tone and then we'll get more into it later. But uh, what's this first puzzle say? Entertainment choices. Right. Entertainment choices, right? There's, there's a great topic. Jesus wants to be Lord of this area of your life. What's this one? Yep, leisure time. Yep, leisure time. Leisure time. All right. How about this one? Social media. Social media. Do you have social media? Not yet. Okay, good. You're in good shape. All right, social media. All right, here's another one. Rest. Rest. All of these pieces of our lives that we need to think about work. work. Part of your life, for sure, right? A big part of your life. Yep, relationships, relationships. All of these areas of your life, let's do a couple more. Marriage. Marriage, you're not married, so what's another one? Here's you, what's this one? Singleness, singleness right. Your singleness, your marriage and your singleness. All right, so we have these areas of life, we might as well do them all because we, uh, we only have two more, and this one, we're gonna really step on some toes, right? Money, yeah, money. Everybody have money, you have money? Yep, we all have money. And then you, of course, got a great one of these. Family, great family. Give him a hand, all right? Thank you, Colton. Appreciate it. And so I want us to think about our lives in these, this every area. Think about just these different pieces of your life and what God wants to do in each one of these pieces. And we're going to be asking God for what Paul asked for the church at Ephesus in chapter 1 of Ephesians. When he prays in verse 17, he says this. He says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. That's what we want. We want the eyes of our hearts enlightened because the change that happens in our lives comes from our heart. We're people who live from our hearts. We can change behaviors. We can change uh, rhythms. But if our heart doesn't change, we'll quickly fall back into the old patterns of life. Because God wants our heart. So having the eyes of our hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance for the saint? saints? So he says, I've called you and I've given you this incredible inheritance. The riches of the glories. And it's about opening our spiritual eyes to all of these areas of life and seeing the lordship of Jesus in each one of these lives. And so it's about remembering. It's about 
remembering. It's about taking your mind and remembering that Jesus is Lord over your relationships. It's, it's not saying, okay, Lord, you're, 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 well, I'll give you permission to be Lord over my relationships at my K group, but when I get to work, I'm just going to kind of fall in with everybody else and just talk the way they talk and flirt the way they flirt and act the way they act. I'm just going to do those things. And Jesus says, no, that's not. I don't want pieces of your life. I want your whole life. I don't want just pieces of your life. And we are good at giving God, okay, I'll give you church 1030 to, you know, 1145, and then I'll start looking at my watch, and then, I, you know, God, maybe 12, and then I'm out, all right? I'll give God that, and I'll give you maybe occasional K-group when it's convenient for me, but a lot of these other areas of my life, God, these are my, this is my life. These are the pieces that I want to be in control of, in charge of. And we do that, and I know it's easy to sit here, and you're just hearing me, blah, 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 right? And, and it's going in one ear and out the other a lot of times, because we can get so inundated with more and more messages, and we fail to connect this to our lives and to the situations in our life, our leisure time, our social media, these things where we maybe don't intentionally say, Jesus, stay in your lane. But in practice, we do. We say, Jesus, this is my area. I'm going to respond to that, enter, without ever asking or thinking about what Jesus would want in that area. And we all do this. We do it in the area of money. I mean, we, we might be able to say, right, God, I know you own 100%, and I give you back part of what you've given to me. But in reality, that's not the way we live, right? We live like it's ours. And we hold tightly to it. And we give God, you know, if it's convenient a lot of times, or maybe you're just like me, like you've always given a certain percentage of your income, and you don't think about it, you just do it, and God just kind of wants to shake you and say, okay, think about it. Think about the other 90%. What are you doing with that? Does it bring glory to me? And God has invited us into his story as believers. As Henley read the verse, quoted the verse, very good, right? Galatians 2.20, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that when we placed our faith in Jesus, that Christ took up ownership and residence in our life, and he's forming himself, he's working himself out of every single area of our lives? That's what he's doing. And so many times, either we're fighting against the work of the Spirit, or I think sometimes in churches that people grow up and they just, you know, I believe that God saved me from something, like I said, but we just either don't know that God saved us just to something or we're just ignore, ignoring that side of it, the fact that Jesus is working in us to will and to do his good pleasure, his good work. And so God has invited you into his story. What a privilege. What an amazing thing that the king of the universe has invited us into his story. Many years ago, there was a worship song, and I just remember these few lines from it, it says, this is Jesus singing over us, and it says, I have a plan. It's going to be wild, and it's going to be great, and it's going to be full of me. And that's what Jesus wants for us. It's going to be wild and great and full of me. You know, we can play religion, we can do the whole church thing and be bored to death. Why? Because it's our terms, Jesus, we're defining what you are allowed to be Lord of in our lives. And Jesus says, I want all of you, all the pieces of your life, not just pieces here and there. I want to see you be intentional and Christ-centered in all areas of life. 
family, marriage, singleness, money, relationships at church, relationships at work, just your work in general, your rest, your prayer life, your responsibilities, your relationship with God, your personal life, your leisure, your social media, all of these things, God is forming in your life more and more Jesus. If you know him, you place your faith in him, more and more Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit, coming out in these, all these areas of your life. But we do have to be intentional and wake up and understand that this is not just a let go and let God, right? Oh, I'm just going to lay back and God will change all this. You cooperate in this process. You commit yourself to the Holy Spirit. You are, have just a mindset that says, Holy Spirit, have your way and have your work in my life. And I, I just want to take my leisure time, God, and I want to say, is there something better I can do with my leisure time to bring glory to you and to live in this time more reflective of who I am in Jesus? And this transformation, this change that God's working in our lives, sometimes it's so slow. It's kind of like when I was a kid. I clearly remember one day looking in the mirror of my, the, our bathroom, and, and I looked in the mirror and I said, I was probably seven or eight, nine years old, and I said, one day I'll look in this mirror and I'll be a grown-up. wonder what I'll look like. I, I, and I thought, you know, what it will be like to see my face different because it doesn't feel like I'm getting older, but one day I'm going to be old. I'm going to look at this and I'm going to be older, all right? And when I went back to my parents' house a year ago for my mom's funeral or so, you know, I remember looking in that same mirror and thinking, well, it didn't turn out as good as I hope it would, right? But, uh, but that, that, it goes fast. It's, it's crazy. But God is changing us more and more into the image of Christ. And here's the thing. God is much more committed to you becoming like Christ than you are committed to being more like Christ. You can know that for a fact that God, if you're God's child, he's working in your life and he's working in ways that you can't even imagine or even know, can't even understand. It's through these relationships or people who know these people or, or this situation happens and all these things God's using for your good to make you more and more like Jesus. And so he's working, but it's easy to look in that mirror and say, is there really anything happening in my life? What's going on in my life? And I think sometimes, listen, I think sometimes we fail to celebrate the good things that God is doing in our lives because we're so focused in on the things that maybe we're discouraged about or the things where we know we don't measure up or the things that we're struggling with. And I was reading in 1 Corinthians, and we talked about the church at Corinth, how that they were just a church that was a mess, and there was all kinds of tr trouble. But Jesus was transforming them. But Paul writes this to them. And I want you to think about this list of, of sins that he mentions to them, and think about how that our world has embraced so much of these. But as a Christ follower, you say, no, these are not, I'm not making peace with these areas of my life. I'm not indulging these. I'm being different than the world because the Spirit is working in me, transforming me. Paul says, don't be deceived. He says, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul's writing to the church and he's saying, look, these are not indicative of your character, who you are now in Christ. These are not things that you are anymore. You came from these. You used to be these things. You used to be a, a, just a drunkard. You're partying. You're going to the temple. You're practicing idolatry. You're living whatever way you feel, want to and what feels good. But Jesus has come and taken up residence in your life. This is not who you are anymore. Things are changing. Things have changed inside of you radically, and now Christ is being formed and birthed out of you, and these things that once defined you no longer define you. 
Christ is working holiness in you. He's making you more like Jesus. And, and maybe as you look at that list, you're thinking, well, you know, I struggle with some of that stuff. Some of that stuff, you know, God isn't Lord over my life in those areas. Well, there's hope for you. If you're in Christ, there is great hope. We'll talk more about this passage here in a few weeks when we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. But let me read verse 1 to you of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He's writing these same believers who are struggling. He says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body or the flesh and spirit and bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So he says, I want you to have these promises, trust these promises, and as a result of these promises, that I'm going to bring this holiness and this completion into your life. What is that completion? It's what he wrote about, about becoming more and more conformed into the image of Christ. Christ being more formed and birthed through our lives. And so you're like, I need to know something here. What promises? Since we have these promises, what promises is he talking about? Because I need this. Because some of these areas of my life, I'm not doing so well in. What do I do? What promises are you talking about? Well, all we have to do is zoom out, go back to the end of chapter 6, before he writes 7-1, which remember in the original uh, what Paul's writing, he's not putting verse references and things, so sometimes they break chapters up in areas where it doesn't really help us out a lot. But, and so in this case, if you go back to verse 16 and 18 specifically, and we'll talk about this whole passage here in a few weeks, Paul writes that we are the temple of the living God. There's your big promise, right? You're the temple of the living God. And then verse 18, he says, and I think this is the verse Mitch quoted a minute ago, I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me. That's what God says. God says that you now, through Christ, you're the temple of the living God. There's a promise. A promise that maybe a lot of times we don't feel, and we don't think, like, I'm a temple of the living God. And we fight against this identity. We get in our car and we drive to work and we get with the fellas or the ladies around the cubicles and we start in on gossiping. We start in on saying things we shouldn't say. And we're totally just having this identity amnesia about who we are in Christ. And the Holy Spirit, through God's promises, he says, you're the temple, all right? You're the temple. And remember, God is more committed to you becoming Christ-like than you are. So he's working, he's convicting, he's bringing this stuff up, and so many times we're, I don't want to hear you, I don't want to hear you. And maybe you're sitting here today, and that's a, your posture. You're, you're like, I just don't want to hear this, because I just don't know what would happen if I truly gave my marriage over to God. Because I just don't like my spouse, right? I just don't, I, we don't want to be closer. We don't want to go to weekend and remember, because we're afraid to like some of the stuff that might come up. And we're pretty comfortable with dysfunction, right? You can get there. You can just be comfortable with dysfunction. And God says, I want to be Lord. I want your children to see a picture of Jesus in your marriage. I want when your kids to look up mom and dad, they say, whoa, that's like Jesus. They love each other so much. They're so committed to one another. As a child, I don't have to worry about my parents divorcing because they love each other. And, and they're bringing us around the word and they're sharing us the, with the word and they're talking to us about God. They have this foundation that's built on Christ because they're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And they're sons and daughters of the Most High God. How awesome is that? 
sons and daughters. There's the promises that you can build your life on, that you can know that God is working and we have these promises, beloved. So as a result of these promises, we cleanse ourselves. Obviously, the Holy Spirit is working through us for this job, but we cleanse ourselves. We cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to bring holiness to completion in the fear of God. That this holiness reflecting Jesus more and more in our lives. Not perfectly on this side of eternity. We're going to still struggle. Please don't look at other people like, oh, you know, John Dowdy, elder up here, like he's, he's probably got it all together. Like as a kid, I remember thinking that. I remember like these people who were deacons and leaders in our church, like they never sinned. Like they never had any, like as I've gotten older, like not true, all right? If you're younger, it's not true. We don't reach like perfection or anywhere near perfection. But God's doing something. Christ in us, children of God. So we choose to set our minds upon the spirit and not upon the flesh. We choose not to indulge in the flesh, but to live out of this new self. That we're not living somebody other than who we are. And that's an intentional, in our hearts, we're giving those areas to God. We're talking to God about those. We're saying, God, I want you to be Lord of my entertainment choices. Hold on. Hold on, Pastor John. Really? Yes, really. And this is one that it's really tough, right? Because we don't all, I mean, I can't say, okay, here's the line, right? There's the line. If you, you can watch everything on this side of the line over here, that's off limits, all right? I, I can't give you that. The Holy Spirit can. I can't give you that. But the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you about these things because you can't compartmentalize and say, I'm going to have most of the puzzle pieces. Most of the pieces are going to be for Jesus. But over here, i got a few that I'm holding out on. He wants to be Lord of all areas of our life. And life is puzzling. It is. But God has a plan. Life is puzzling, but God has the plan. The plan. And here is what it all looks like when it all comes together. Here's what it looks like. Show that picture, Noah. Right there is what it looks like. All the pieces, as we give the lordship to Jesus in each one of these areas, and we start to put this puzzle together, more and more it reflects Jesus Christ. And sometimes if you get real close, you're like, I don't see Jesus. But other people, they're walking by and they're saying, I see Jesus in you. I see Jesus in you. Really? And you're just humbled by that. Really? That's all for his glory because it's not my own doing. Trust me. It's for him. That's what God is doing in us. That's what God is doing in your life. And so our application, very simple, head. Life is puzzling. Like Job, God, I don't know what you're doing here. I don't even feel like you're nearby. God's at work. He has the plan. And here's how I want you to respond today. You remember I said a few minutes ago that God changes us through our hearts? I want you to ask yourself this question. What is more desirable to me than Jesus? What is more desirable to me than Jesus? Maybe you say, like 90% of my life is like Jesus. What is the... 10, 15% of your life that you're holding out 
that you're refusing to give God the lordship of your life. And then the hands application today is going to be as about hands-on as you'll ever have, which is communion. Look, I've taken communion thousands of times in my life. When I was a younger guy, it was just a routine I went through. Like, just, you know, juice, cracker, you know, just like didn't even think about it. Then as I got older, it actually became kind of a discouraging, depressing times. Like, oh, let me think about all the sin in my life. Oh, so, so awful, God. So terrible. But where I've arrived at in these later years is communion's a celebration. Christ in me. That Jesus died and rose again so I could have life and have it to its fullest. That he's forgiven all my sin, past, present, future. And if you're like me, like at times in my life I've been scared of grace. Like if I, if I accept that I'm fully forgiven, then I won't really care that much about sin. That's just not true. It's not true. You care because the Holy Spirit cares. God's more committed to your Christ-likeness than you are, remember. And so you embrace what God has done for you in Christ. And you see who you are in Christ. And you walk in that identity in Christ. And you realize that he has the plan. And while you may be right now walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you know you have a good shepherd who's leading you. And he's leading you where he wants to lead you. Listen, to where he wants to lead you. Not where you want to go or where you feel like your perceived needs need to take you. He's leading you where he wants to take you. He brings you rest because you're resting in Jesus. Not in your accomplishments. You're not regretting your past. You're not thinking about all the ways you failed. But you're keeping your eyes upon Jesus. And that's what communion's about. It's about Jesus, you're my hope. The only reason I can have any kind of relationship with you, Father, the only way I can be called your son or your daughter is because of Jesus Christ and creating a new self in me, this new life, eternal life given to me in Christ. So I pray today that as you take the juice and as you take the cracker, you will truly, truly allow your heart and your mind just to move toward Christ and see Christ and see the sacrifice that he made for you and thank him Thank him that he's bringing together the picture, the image of Christ, Christ being birthed and worked in you. And those who are particularly discouraged right now, and maybe you are, you're thinking God's nowhere near like Job feels. But can you say with Job, God, I trust you. I know that while you may not feel near, you are near. You know where I am, even though I may not feel like I know where you are. You know where I am today. And I'm trusting your good and precious promises. And I'm thanking you for the work you're doing in my life. Let's take a minute to pray. And while we're praying, I'm going to ask our elders to come up here. And we'll just spread across the front of this room. And then ask you to come up and to take the juice and the cracker. And then go back to your seat. And we'll all take this together in just a minute. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Where would we be without Jesus today? Thank you for the changes that you're making in our life. Thank you for the, just the, the trajectory of our life that has changed to, to
desire more and more of you and the fact that you are working even when it feels like you're not working. And you're doing something even when we don't know you're doing something. Like looking at our face in the mirror, you're changing us sometimes. It doesn't feel day to day like you're changing us. But we know as we look back that you've done amazing work in our lives. And God, I pray for my brother or sister here in this room that have a particular struggle, a particular uh, sin that, that is really bringing them down, that they're putting focus and energy there and they feel like they're a failure. They feel like that they just can't win this fight and they're struggling in this fight, God. I pray today they'll just see your grace and your goodness in this area. And God, I pray you will help them to just tell you how they feel and what, what they're thinking, God, and help them to run to your very great and precious promises in your word and to realize that you have declared them righteous and that you live in them. And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. You're greater, God, and you're changing us. And God, I pray that you'll allow our church family to run to each other for encouragement, for help, and see that the body of Christ is there to be the hands and feet of Jesus as we go through this life, as we struggle through this life, as we deal with the pain and the hurts of this life, that we have a church family who loves us and cares. And God, we thank you again for Jesus. In his name we pray.